This is Hear It Now on Prairie Public. I'm Doug Hamilton. And, of course, it is our short and sweet membership campaign, so we'll be talking about that a little later in our program, your opportunity to get a fine box of chocolate truffles from Nicole's Fine Pastry. We'll let you know how you can do that. But first of all, we're going to talk about food with a real food expert. Uh, Mary Ellen Kameri is with the Institute of Food Technologists. Uh, She is also an associate professor of food science and nutrition at the University of Maine. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Doug. What is the Institute of Food Technologists? It's a professional organization of researchers and processors in the food industry throughout the U.S. and around the world. What does it do? Well, promote awareness of food science, which is our our, our discipline, like a biologist studies biology. But we also make sure we give recommendations to the government about new regulations on food safety and food quality, and um, support students, of course. Ah, so you create certified food technologists? That's a new program we've begun. Uh, Much like the nutrition has registered dietitians, we're moving towards certifying our food scientists as well. Well, what's the cutting edge? What are food technologists recommending to the government about... uh you know, what's happening with our food. Well, we're you know, obviously concerned about food safety, and IFT has been very active in uh, working with, actually, the FDA and, and crafting guidelines for how to process foods and also to detect new kinds of foodborne illness on foods. So I think the, the latest headlines this week is that salad greens are the biggest risk. So, uh, of course, there's been a lot of research on that, too. <laughs> Wash your salad greens. Okay. Uh, when did you decide to become a scientist who would focus on food? You know, I, I think I always was interested in, as a little girl. I uh, took a trip to a potato chip factory when I was in kindergarten, and I was fascinated by all the bags going around on the conveyor belt. And I just didn't realize that was something you could study until I went to graduate school. Well, uh, we have lots of potatoes here, lots of French fries and potato chips. (laughs) (laughs) Same here. I'm in in Maine, so we've got the the same kind. Yeah, I guess it's Maine and uh, the Red River Valley and and, uh, Idaho, huh? (laughs) Uh, Why do we like chocolate so much? Well, one of the interesting things about chocolate, it's one of the few foods that actually melts at body temperature. So when you put chocolate in your mouth, it, it melts in a very nice way, but it stays solid at, at temperatures lower than our body. But, of course, we also add a lot of sugar, and <laughs> that, that helps with it. The uh, original chocolate that was um, consumed in Central and South America wasn't sweetened. It wasn't till chocolate was brought to Europe that sugar was added. Is there anything innately good about chocolate? Yes, actually, it has pretty interesting health benefits. Uh, There seems to be a growing body of research that chocolate is good for your heart in moderation, that it helps uh, raise your levels of HDL, the good cholesterol, and it also helps reduce blood pressure, and it may improve your platelet function so you don't have clotting issues. So there's a lot of interesting work. There's even studies going on right now with older adults to see if regular chocolate consumption can help prevent dementia and help improve mood. So, oh, wow. So it's, <laughs> but that, that, you know, moderation is the key. I, I always thought that the food pyramid ought to have a little piece of chocolate at the top. <laughs> well, I'm all for that. Uh, moderation in all things, but at least we know our chocolate truffles have some good in them. Yeah. Uh, what do you recommend I do before I go to the supermarket? 
with respect to chocolate? No, or with respect to any old food at all. Oh, uh, have a piece of fruit or a salad. <laughs> so I don't go hungry, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, and unfortunately a lot of us are doing that. We're on our way home from work. We go by the grocery store. We run in to pick something up, and everything looks good. But the, one of the better recommendations I've seen is to shop the perimeter of the store. It tends to be that the dairy and the vegetables and the meats are usually on the outside edge of the store, and it tends to be um, more calorie-dense foods in the middle of the rows. So the closer you get to the center, the more processed the stuff gets? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you not that that processing per se is bad, but you do find that the things that are, are more nutrient-rich tend to be on the edges. Is there a higher incidence of food allergies today, or have we become better at diagnosing them? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> huh. uh, there are more food allergies being detected, but we're also seeing particularly children becoming more sensitive. And there's some interesting theories about that, that the more clean we try to keep everybody, people's immune systems don't get fully developed, so they react more quickly. And if maybe if the kids were crawling around the dirt a little bit more, they may build more resistance. So there's been some interesting work done in England with children and giving them probiotics and yogurt and seeing if that helps reduce their allergies. So we'll, we'll see if, if in time we can reverse the trend. Well, nowadays, any food market of any size has a gluten-free area. Uh, why can't some people handle the gluten and wheat? Well, it's a particular kind of protein, and some people just inherently have sensitivity to it. Um, some people also just have problems with wheat in general because of the kinds of fiber in wheat. They don't always know whether it's the gluten or the fiber unless they, they get t- tested by a specialist. But a lot of people say, oh, I eat, you know, I had whole wheat bread, and I had, you know, cramps, and you know, I was bloated, I didn't like, must be the gluten. Well, sometimes it, it's actually the fiber in the wheat that causes it. So wheat in itself is very nutritious, and um, gluten intolerance is, is, seems to be better detected now and people more aware of it, but wheat in and of itself is, is certainly a healthy food. Why are peanuts so dangerous to some people? Well, it's again, uh, some people just seem to be very specifically allergic, and that is one of the allergies that children tend not to outgrow. Hmm. And, and, and then why should I avoid grapefruit when taking certain medications? Ah, one of the bitter compounds in grapefruit juice and grapefruit um, actually interacts with the enzymes in your liver that metabolize drugs. So it, it could affect how you absorb and metabolize the drug. So there's, there's some other foods that do that too, um, and then drugs will interact with one another as well. But it may need you, cause you to need more drugs, or it may build up, you may have may not get broken down as much, so you might actually have too high levels of the drug in your system. You know, I was snooping around for information about food technologists and, and food allergies and this kind of thing, and I came across food allergies, food intolerance, food sensitivity. What's the difference? Ah, well, an allergy is typically a response that you have to, to a particular protein in a food. Um, 
an intolerance, and you, you can't handle it well, but you're not going to have a life-threatening reaction to it. And sensitivity is a little less defined, but, but some people just don't digest foods as well, and, and so it varies in what people report as having problems with those foods. Well, I, I have a, since I ate an entire pumpkin pie about 30 years ago, I have a sensitivity to pumpkin <laughs> pie. I, I haven't eaten it since. Uh, we talked about uh, green vegetables earlier, you know, making sure that they're clean and all that. These days, fruits and vegetables originate in, in different countries, depending Absolutely. on the season and the time of year. What should we know about whole foods that are shipped from far away? Well, that our Food and Drug Administration isn't able to test all the imported food that comes into our country. So you have to take a little bit more care with imported foods and make sure you're really washing fruits and vegetables well, for example. Um, but that's, I think that's part of the reason people are more interested in local foods today is that you know where it's coming from and you're not so worried about exotic uh, bacteria hitchhiking on the back of your tomatoes. It was pulled out of the dirt you used to play in when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, The seafood industry now labels its products place of origin, you know, Chile or, you know, the Atlantic Ocean or whatever, wild caught or farm harvested. (laughs) What should we know about all that? Well, it's helpful to know where fish comes from. Um, There's been some work done showing that some contaminants in salmon are more likely in places like Scotland than in, in places like the U.S. But, so that's helpful to know. It, it also helps know if it's a more sustainable product. Uh, I happen to be in favor of aquaculture if it's done correctly and environmentally sound. Um, but there are people who prefer wild-caught, and they think that's better. But, of course, in New England, we have shortages now that we're running low on some kinds of fish because they've been overfished. So... It really is a, a tricky question to decide whether to go farmed or wild. You know, I was in your neck of the woods uh, several months ago, and I, I learned while I was in Maine that a long time ago they used to feed lobster to the prisoners because they didn't think of it as a great food. Uh, oh, yes. The children would be embarrassed to bring lobster salad sandwiches <laughs> to lunch because people would think they were poor. <laughs> uh, well, that's certainly changed. Uh, Let's talk about food preparation. Sure. Uh, what effect does that have on nutrition? You know, if I fry it, if I boil it, if I just mix it up? Well, it depends very much on the kind of food. Um, boiling is a tricky because a lot of our vitamins can dissolve in water. And so if you cut up the vegetables and boil them in water, it's very possible that they'll leach out of the food and, and you'll be, basically be throwing the baby away with the bath water. Um, that's why in the South they used to use that cooking liquor, liquor from the greens and, and put that into soups. So boiling isn't the best way, but steaming helps you retain them better because you're not dissolving the vitamins that way. Microwave cooking is good because, again, you're, you're keeping the nutrients in the food. Um, when you're cooking meats, broiling and baking is good because that can help pull meat out of, say, meatloaf, uh, the, the fat that can be in there melts it the hot temperatures, and you can drain it away so you're not consuming the fat along with the protein and other good parts of the meat. Is that the same for frying? <laughs> well, the problem with frying then is that you're, you're picking up more fat. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> and that's, you know, with, with, like fish. You know, people are eating more fish because they want the omega-3 fatty acids. Unfortunately, when you fry it in vegetable oil, it picks up the vegetable oil and you dilute out the, the good fats. Yeah. 
Why do we uh, connect some flavors with colors, like uh, grape? You know, grape juice isn't purple. Why do we do that? Why, why have we sort of accustomed ourselves to, to these practices? It's, it's cultural. I'm sure if we went to, to Thailand or Guatemala, they wouldn't necessarily think green meant lime flavor. Yeah. But it is something that we tend to associate. But, you know, things like popsicles when kids eat. I think uh, blue popsicles were pineapple. <laughs> so there are kind of strange associations. So you have to be careful if you are coloring a food artificially or with natural colors, that you pick one that might go along with people's expectations. Okay. So you're just painting the picture they're looking for. <laughs> what should I look for in a list of ingredients for processed food? Are there any red flags I could see on that label? Well, you might want to see where any you know oils or fats may come in that order. The Regulation is the thing that's there the most has to be listed first. Mm -hmm. So some things, it's mostly water. (laughs) So you might want to think about about that. But um, I tend to look at the Nutrition Facts panel, and I'm particularly interested in salt and fat content. So that's what I look for. But I'm more of a person who's trying to put things into my diet and look for the things I need to get in there, like my fruits and vegetables and my low-fat dairy products. I, I don't tend to focus too much on the things I should avoid. Well, I, I might head to the soup aisle, for example, and get a nice look at a nice can of vegetable soup. Mm-hmm. And then I look on the side, where, like you say, and it, it's not real high in fat, not real high in calories, but the salt might be 40% of my daily oh, requirement. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's the tough part. Um, and Campbell's kind of threw it the sands because it was trying to make low-salt soups, and people just weren't buying them because it, we are accustomed to a saltier product. Um, but that's where the advantage of, of home cooking or semi-homemade cooking comes into play because there's a lot of chicken broths and beef broths now that are reduced sodium, still have a lot of flavor, and you can make a, a soup at home that tastes pretty good because you know what went into it, but it doesn't have to have all that salt. You know, sometimes we hear about uh, foods that are high in antioxidants or have free radicals or whatever. Are, are there any superfoods? Do you, do you recommend any particular food or any dietary or food supplement? Well, be, being from the land of wild blueberries, of course, ah. I, I think uh, wild blueberries are a great addition to the diet, but not everybody wants to eat them every day. <laughs> now, now, those are high in antioxidants, aren't they? Yes, they are. Well, what is an antioxidant? It, it's a, a compound that helps fight these free radicals that end up in our bodies and can cause damage to our proteins and to our DNA. They'll make us age, have heart disease lead to cancer. So by having more dietary antioxidants, you're fighting these compounds and hopefully then forestalling damage to your body. The problem is too much of a good thing might not be so good. My tastes have changed dramatically since I was a kid. I was once a very finicky eater. Now, <laughs> hardly. Oh, me too. <laughs> uh, is there a reason for that beyond my own personal experience? Do people do that generally? I, I think it's a pretty common trend in that Children tend to be a little bit afraid to try new things unless their friends are eating it. But as adults, we want to be more sophisticated. We don't want to cause problems. So we become more open to eating new cuisines and new food items. Now, lately I've been hearing that there may be something to when you eat during the day in terms of how uh, getting the maximum benefit from it. Are there certain times of day I should try to eat meals? Definitely, you shouldn't go without breakfast. Mm-hmm. And 
breakfast is very key to setting the point for the rest of your day. Um, we tend to have our biggest meal in the evening, but that actually is probably not the best time to do it. That you know, having more of our energy intake at breakfast or at lunch is really a better strategy, and having a light meal in the evening is best. You know, I came across a, a, a new taste uh, uh, that I heard about. Umami, is that mm-hmm. a, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yes, actually, I, we just discussed that in my sensory evaluation class the other day. And they're, they're calling that the fifth taste. Well, yes. Well, so describe it. Well, umami is the Japanese word that means delicious. And you know, in Asian cuisine, things like soy sauce are very common. And soy sauce doesn't have so much of a taste itself, but it helps round out all the flavors. And Umami compounds help make you make savory dishes more appealing. So we naturally have, well, MSG is a, an umami compound. Of course, people don't want MSG in their foods, but the same general family of compounds we find in things like mushrooms, in tomatoes, in meats. Um, so there's a lot of foods. You think of a spaghetti sauce. You know, you've got a lot of umami compounds that make it delicious. So if you, I happen to be doing research with tomatoes right now and tomato flavor. And, you know, some tomatoes are sweet, some are acidic, but some almost have a meaty flavor. And those are the ones that have the most umami. And, and those are very interesting to, to work with. Well, I'll be checking out my umami notes in the future. <laughs> uh, you know, a generation ago, population theorists were very worried about the ability of the planet to feed a growing population. Uh, did the uh, so-called Green Revolution eliminate that dire threat, threat or, or, or delay it? Well, I think it delayed it. I think we are still, because of, of certainly weather problems and, and climate change, we're not producing enough food to feed everyone's demands, and so that could be a problem. And as the economies in other parts of the world improve, they're not wanting to eat their traditional diets. They want to eat more of an American-style diet with more meat, and that means you need more land to feed the animals, and that causes more problems. So I I don't think we're necessarily food secure for the the world right now. Hmm. So there's, there's... a lot of different approaches being taken right now. But global warming, I think, is a big concern among agricultural scientists and, and that will we be able to produce enough food for everybody in another you know, 20, 50, 100 years. We've got about a minute or so left and not a lot of time. But is there anything really new in food science, like a processing technique, that uh, we should be aware of? Well, there's a, a whole new family of technologies that are coming out that maybe not quite in the grocery store yet, but... Rather than preserving food with heat, as we've done for several um, centuries, there are new technologies that are preserving foods and killing bacteria you know, with light, with electric energy, um, with radio waves, with high pressure. So those we're, we're starting to see. You may in the grocery store see the, the pre-made guacamole, and a lot of that is preserved by these high-pressure technologies. So more more is coming. Okay. Well, maybe like the new food I just discovered in my own supermarket. I, I had it on the other side of the planet uh, about a year ago. It was called a pomelo. Looks uh-huh. like a, it's kind of a big, <laughs> sweet grapefruit. And all of a sudden it turns up at my local supermarket. <laughs> and it, it's, I know it's come from 8,000 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny with the variety of foods we have available to us now. So we're, we're really quite lucky. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, no, I enjoyed speaking with you. Mary Ellen Kamiri is... 
with the Institute of Food Technologists. She's also a professor of food science and nutrition at the University of Maine. And now it's time to raise a little money for Hear It Now, Prairie Public, and ask our listeners for some help. Bill Thomas, director of radio for Prairie Public, joins me in studio. Hi. It is our short and sweet membership drive. Just goes through Saturday, so uh, now is the time to do it. This is our pre-Valentine's Day drive where we ask you to call. In just a moment, we're going to give you the phone number and the website. We have a lot of volunteers out there ready (laughs) to talk to you and take your call. the idea is that you support public radio. You know, we're listener-supported. Uh, this idea that our listeners contribute money, it, it's a little weird sometimes that people think of it that way. But we just ask our listeners to voluntarily contribute money, and that actually is the largest part of our income budget. And then to make it a little sweeter here right before <laughs> Valentine's Day, if you, you can contribute at any amount you want. But if you choose to contribute at $120 or above, we will send a box of delicious hand-rolled cocoa truffles from Nicole's Fine Pastries to wherever you say in the continental United States in time for Valentine's Day with a handwritten card inside. So if you would like to support public radio and also like to take care of a nice Valentine's Day treat – Delicious, not nice, boy, delicious, wonderful Valentine's Day. We got to try them yesterday. They were outstanding. Now, I'm going to tell you the number to call. Here it is. It's 800-359-4145. That'll ring just right outside the room here where we've got some volunteers ready to talk to you. And they'll take your pledge. And and you just tell them your name and address and phone number and how much you'd like to pledge. And then if you you want to get the truffles, which most people do – Tell her, tell them, you know, where you want to send the truffles. If you pledge $120, one box of truffles, and then you can pledge an additional $60 and get another box of truffles and another $60 on top of that and get another box of truffles sent out. Oh, wait, there was one lady that called in who had uh, three kids, each in a different city, uh-huh. you know, around the country, and she sent one box of truffles to each of the kids and then one to herself. <laughs> well, that's good because yeah. mom deserves some too. So what are we talking about? We're talking about 15 delicious cocoa truffles from Nicole's Fine Pastry. Hand-formed European-style confection made with the finest, freshest ingredients. These are, as I like to say, soft balls of chocolate and cream rolled in cocoa powder to give them a velvety surface, presented in a silver box with a dark purple ribbon and a Valentine's card with your message. 1-800-359-4145 or go online at prairiepublic.org and uh, you can keep on listening while you make your pledge to uh, Prairie Public. Remember, this is a member-supported service. That's how Doug likes to say it. And I like to say thank you to the people who are calling in. And we have some uh, people who've called Richard Walker from Lake Park, Minnesota, and Curtis Stofferan from Grand Forks called in with their support, and uh, they're going to be all set for Valentine's Day. Uh, so, yeah, you get you get these chocolate truffles. It, you know, usually when we do our membership drives, we spend quite a bit of time talking about the value of public radio. Well, I don't want to totally forget that now. It is important, and there are wonderful, altruistic, morally admirable reasons <laughs> for supporting public radio, and you can take full advantage of that and – Get a box of chocolate truffles. So it's a good deal here. 800-359-4145, or you can go online to prairiepublic.org. Now, we're going to have uh, What's Happening coming up later. and We're going to also have a movie review. We've got Dakota Date Book coming up. We've got all kinds of stuff happening. But first, the news, and think about those truffles. 
This is Here It Now on Prairie Public, and it's time to check in with Matt Olene, our resident film reviewer, about what he thinks about what he saw at the movies. And you went to Rust and Bone. Rust and Bone, a French film uh, directed by Jacques Audiard, who uh, was nominated for the Foreign Language Oscar three years ago for his film A Prophet, which was a prison movie set in Algeria. Very good movie. And in this one, uh, he has Marion Cotillard, of course, French film star who won the Oscar, playing Edith, Edith Piaf five years ago. Since then, we've seen her in a lot of English-speaking roles, uh, Dark Knight Rises and uh, uh, Inception, and her English is very good. Uh, French actors, as you know, Doug, some of them don't quite translate to English-speaking roles. Gerard Depardieu has struggled for years mm. with his English, and he's only made a few English films, but she's she's very good, and she's very good in this film. This is a French film, though, in subtitles at the Fargo Theater. So in this film, really the film centers more on uh, the actor Matthias uh, Schoenartz, who's Belgian, and he plays uh, a character named Ali, who is an ex-boxer, ex-kickboxer, this kind of thing, has a five-year-old son who he doesn't take care of very well. He's in and out of jobs, and he's one of these grown-up kids, I call them. They're grown-up people, but they really act like kids, and we've all known people like that. And he doesn't have a lot of sympathy for people. In a strange series of events, he meets Cotillard, who is a orca whale trainer. Okay, so okay. killer whales so, are the thing. Huh? So they, they move that in there, but it all kind of makes sense a little bit. And I'm uh, not giving anything away that people don't know from the trailer. Uh, she loses her legs in an orca accident. And her recovery, she she meets him beforehand, but in the recovery they kind of reconnect. And that's where the film really kind of takes off is in their relationship uh, or lack of a relationship that goes from there. It's a hard film to watch. It is about characters that aren't particularly likable, especially him. But that's part of uh, Odiard's cinema. Uh, same with The Prophet. And once you get over that, I thought it, I thought it was a very well-made film, very fascinating film. Takes a little while to get started. I want to warn parents. There are a couple scenes involving Ali and his son that are pretty hard to watch. Uh, he's not the best father in the world, and uh, those scenes are difficult to watch. I just want to warn people about that. But he's very good in the film. Cotillard is very good. The film uh, has kind of that you know documentary feel to it, like you're watching something real. The performances are very real. It's not staged acting. It's a handheld, a lot camera. of handheld stuff. Yeah, it's not that kind of stage acting. It's very real. You feel like you're almost peeking in on people's real lives, mm-hmm. and you're spying on people that really have something to hide. But it's their relationship that really drives the picture. And whether it's going to go anywhere, whether they're completely mismatched, uh, it's about a two-hour film. Like this one quite a bit. Liked it better than I thought I was going to because the, the reviews have been kind of mixed on it. Cotillard was thought to be right in the mix for the Best Actress Oscar, Doug, but she didn't make it into the final five. She's very good in the film, but really, Schoenarts is almost better. He's got this steely lack of emotion in his character, but his instrument, which is an actor's body and voice, really carries him in, in the part. I was impressed when I did a little bit of reading about this movie that Marion Cotillard was actually filming yes. Dark Knight Rises at the same time. Yeah, busy woman. Oh, yeah. Very busy. <laughs> Very busy in, in a really big movie. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that they allowed it. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure this one did not take as much uh, time mm-hmm. as that one. Now, again, in the film, we, we, we do not see her legs. She is uh, amputated from the knee below. But again, with modern CGI, 
they can do so many things like that now that they couldn't in the old days. In the old days, they had, they had to strap people's legs in back of them and you know make it look like someone was missing legs. Now it's so easy to do in the editor uh, that doing something like that is not a big deal. But I recommend this film. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's wrapping up very quickly at the Fargo Theater, so you might want to check your listings on that. But it's called Rust and Bone. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. And now we'll move on to a trivia okay. question. <laughs> and we're always looking for your submissions, too. You can you can try to stump Matt by emailing us at hearitnow at prairiepublic.org. But I've got a, a couple I want to try out on you here. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll try a simple one for – not a simple one. What type of wine does Paul Giamatti's character refuse to drink in Sideways? Merlot. Okay. That was too easy. All right. Okay. To date – what is the only Academy Award-winning best picture to feature a primary color in the title? And the the clue here is the primary color piece because mm-hmm. we're talking additive primary color, that is light. Hmm. I've I've had this question before, actually, Doug, and uh... it famously beat out a whole lot of other films for best picture, including my favorite. Hmm. I am just gap. I know this answer, Doug, because I've I've been asked this question before, and it came up. Um, Nineteen forty-one. John Ford directed. Oh, Hal Green was my valley. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I knew. I knew it was. You know, I was thinking of Reds. The, the Beatty yeah. film, but that did not win Best Picture. It was upset by Chariots of Fire. But thank you, How Green Was My Valley, which defeated Citizen Kane famously or infamously, we might add. It's, well, a, it's a good film. It's just not Citizen Kane. I did a little research, you know. That's a good I, one, Doug. And I thought it was going to be a that, patch of blue, but it turns out that didn't nope. win Best Picture. Shelley Winters did get supporting actress in a patch of blue. Yeah. But uh, good question. That was a good one. I've had that before, and I just stumped. <laughs> okay, well, let's see if somebody else can stump Matt. It's hear it now at prairiepublic.org. Try to stump Matt O'Lean, our reviewer. And uh, we have something special if you do manage to stump Matt O'Lean. Or actually, if we pick your question, you don't even have to stump him. He can answer the question. But it has to be a hard question. And you have to send it to hearitnow at prairiepublic.org. And if we pick your question, you get our CD, Les Miserables. It's the musical phenomenon highlights from the motion picture soundtrack. So there's a little incentive. Hear it now at prairiepublic.org. Stump Matt O'Lean. You know, Doug, I, I always liked that film about the seasick manservant, How Green Was My Valet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yes. Yeah. He was very seasick. Now, we've got some really tasty things to give away, though, right? That's right. It is our short and sweet drive. And when you make a pledge now by calling 800 800- Three five nine four one four five, or going on the internet at prairiepublic.org. You make a pledge. You support public radio. That's the first thing we got to remember. That's still in there because we get distracted by the other thing. The other thing is the box of fifteen hand rolled, handmade chocolate truffles, cocoa truffles. Technically, they're called. That will go out to wherever you say in the continental U.S. with a handwritten note. You can tell us what to write in it. Ashley has very nice handwriting. She'll write it out. And that will go out in time for Valentine's Day with a pledge of $120 or more. So you can call 800-359-4145 or go to prairiepublic.org, and that will happen, and you will have a wonderful Valentine's Day and be supporting public radio at the same time. And there's something else. There's more, as they often say in, in other forms of media. You will be eligible to win a night for two with dinner 
at the fabulous Hotel Donaldson in downtown Fargo. It's an unusual and great hotel, and we really thank them for their support and their contributions. And uh, they have given us this, uh, and we are using it to entice you <laughs> to make a pledge. Because I, I'll tell you, so far there have been um, – we're sending out about 110 boxes of chocolate. There have been about 80 people who have pledged. We're going through Saturday. So you get the idea. Your chances actually of winning this are a lot better than your chances of winning the lottery. So a uh, good chance uh, at it uh, winning that night at the Hotel Donaldson with dinner. So we'll be happy to give that to some, uh, we hope, romantic uh, and romantically inclined person who will take full advantage of it. 1-800-359-4145. This is your radio service, the one that you listen to and we listen to you as well. So this is an opportunity when you call in to interact with us too. Tell us what you like, what you might like a little better. Uh, we want to hear from you. And we can do that when you call 1-800-359-4145 or go online at prairiepublic.org and take a look at our short and sweet campaign. It's easy. It is delicious. And it's public radio. It's your radio. So it's an opportunity to, I guess, take action. I want to say thanks to Janet Rex, who took action. And she's from Grand Forks, and she joined and uh, put in her support to Prairie Public. And uh, she says, I listen when I'm driving. I like hearing the news, Saturday morning programming, classical music, the religion show, which is the, on Sunday night. Uh, and so thank you very much for your support. That's one of the nice things I know as the uh, director of radio is I get more feedback during the fun drive because people do sure. give comments about the programming. Uh, you know, people mostly listen and they're not mo maybe that motivated to call in or let, let us know what they like and don't like. But when when you're giving money, what better time <laughs> to let me know what you think about the programming? So 800-359-4145. Make a pledge. If it's the $120 or above, get the choke. Cocoa Truffles in time for Valentine's Day, and let me know what your thoughts are about our programming. Yeah, and we want to hear from you, and we want to send you some truffles as well. This is Hear It Now on Prairie Public, and uh, we come to you because you let us come to you. Uh, you have supported us in the past, and we look forward to your support this time around as well. 1-800-359-4145, and because it's the 21st century, you can go online at prayerpublic.org. And that matter, you can hear our podcasts up there. You can hear us stream live if you're not in your car or not near your radio, but you've got your laptop or your iPad or your, even your iPhone. So Hear It Now comes to you in so many different ways. This is your chance, I guess, to tell us that you think we're doing okay. What's happening is next. Well, Thursdays on Hear It Now, it's a chance to look at what's happening in the week ahead and uh, on the weekend, the all-important weekend that we're just about to get to. And Ashley Thornburg is with me to go down a list of things that we think uh, our listeners would be interested in checking out. A widget contest and an Explore Engineering. It's Tuesday, February 5th in Bismarck, and it is in celebration of National Engineers Week, which is coming up February 17th through 23rd. And as someone who works with a lot of engineers, we, we know that they are very important people. And the North Dakota Society of Professional Engineers and the Gateway to Science, which is in Bismarck, hosts the Widget Contest and the Explore Engineering. Again, it's on Tuesday the 5th from 530 to 730. 
It features area 9th through 12th graders competing to see who has the most steps involved in creating a machine that removes a tissue from its box. Wow. Check it out at the BPS Career Academy, Tuesday the 5th, 5.30 to 7.30. And be a widgeteer. Okay. <laughs> now, I've got a, just a heads up here because this doesn't happen this weekend or next week, but you need to get registered. The 24th Annual North Dakota State Pinnacle Tournament returns to Valley City, February 16th and 17th at the Valley City Eagles area. Uh, this year's entry fee will be $50 per team or 25 bucks a person. The deadline for signing up, 5 p.m. February 14th. That's Valentine's Day, so don't forget that. You know, I have always wanted to learn Pinochle. Maybe well, someone out there will teach me. <laughs> this is your chance, I guess. <laughs> Watch a painter at work. It's this Sunday at the Work Art Museum in Moorhead from 1 to 4 with artist Carl Oetvelt. The It's at the work. Admission there is $5 for adults, $3 for students and seniors, and kids 12 and under are free. And there's no additional charge for this. So if you are a member already, it is just included. Go watch him work Sunday 1 to 4. And Carl Oetvelt is a great artist, and he is used to doing this in front of people, too. He'll talk to you while he's doing it. Very interesting. The Polar Pig Walk the Plank fundraiser for the Jamestown Regional Medical Center's hospice program. And they may see more participants than ever before on Saturday. The event starts with a silent auction at 9, a chili cook-off starting at 10.30, and the Plank Walk proceeds at noon with registration at 11 a.m. on Saturday at Stutzman Harley-Davidson. All proceeds go to the uh, JRMC Hospice Program. Participants and the Walk the Plank will jump into an 800-gallon tank of warm water. Warm, warm water. <laughs> Prizes will be awarded for team spirit, best splash, and wildest costume. The silent auction will include a 1997 Pontiac Grand Prix. So have some fun at the Walk the Plank fundraiser at the uh, Jamestown Regional Medical Center's hospice program. Soup it up on Saturday. Spend a chilly Saturday with friends and art and mouth-watering soup with Master Chefs in Minot, and the first 200 attendees will get a handcrafted ceramic bowl. There's going to be live music, silent auction, gift baskets, pottery, and, and lots of other things. And a portion of the proceeds benefits the Minot State University Ceramics Department Scholarship Funds. Tickets are available at the Taube Museum of Art. It's $16 for non-members, $12 for members and Minot State University students, Saturday at 11 a.m. Got a couple of places. Uh, we'll start first with Fargo. Uh, rumors on the stage at Island Park. It's February 1st, 2nd, 7th, 8th, and 9th at 7.30. February 3rd and 10th, those are Sundays at 2 p.m. 16 bucks for adults, $12 for seniors, $6 for kids. And Doubt at Dakota Stage Limited in Bismarck, Friday and Saturday. This is the closing weekend, the Friday and Saturday performances at 7.30. There's a Sunday matinee at 2 o'clock. Tickets is for Doubt at Dakota Stage are 18 bucks for adults, 15 for seniors, students, and military personnel. And this is a, sort of a loose take on an event, but on February 1st, it is the 10th annual Go Red for Women. You are supposed to wear red on the 1st in order to raise awareness for um, heart health for women. 
wear red. It's easy to do. It's obviously free if you've already got something red. <laughs> well, here's a kind of a fun one. Home is where the art is. Recycled art show and silent auction at the Spirit Room in downtown Fargo. It's uh, Saturday from 6.30 to 9.30. Tickets are 15 bucks pre-sale at the Spirit Room or 20 bucks at the door because there is a wine tasting and hors d'oeuvres. So this is a 21 or over event. This is a nice event for getting outside February 1st and 2nd, the Greenway Ski Days. This is a free event put on by the Grand Forks Park District. Fun-filled winter activities, skiing, sledding, snowshoeing, ice skating, sleigh rides, and a chilly social. It's always nice to get a slightly warm element in there. (laughs) Great family event at the Greenway Ski Days beginning at 10 a.m. and really going until 4 p.m. And that is put on again by the Grand Forks Park District. here in Dickinson, take in the 36th annual World Championship Breakfast Sunday from 8.30 in the morning until 12.30 in the afternoon. It's a big breakfast. It's hosted by the DSU, the Dickinson State University Booster Club, at the Eagles Club in Dickinson. Tickets are 8 bucks for adults, $4 for students, $1 for preschool and younger for that big breakfast in Dickinson, uh, the 36th annual World Championship Breakfast. Are we ready for events of the week? I think so. I am going to go with uh, one in Medora this Saturday. It is a giant birthday party in honor of Harold Schaefer. It would have been his 101st birthday. Uh, There will be ice skating, hay rides, sledding. It says dress warm because everything is going to be outside. Harold Schaefer, you may know, was a North Dakota businessman. He started the Gold Seal Company and the original maker of Mr. Bubble Bubble Bath. Come celebrate. His birthday, noon to five, mountain time, downtown Medora. He was a really interesting guy. Okay, well, here's my pick because we talked to Kristen Korb earlier this week on our program about her jazz playing. She plays an upright bass and she sings, she scat sings, as a matter of fact. Well, she is performing along with a group of jazz professionals as sort of the big finish to the North Dakota State University High School Invitational Jazz Festival. So this big concert is Saturday at 7 o'clock at Festival Concert Hall and the tickets are ridiculously inexpensive. Five bucks for adults, students and seniors, two dollars. Great day of music. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what's happening. And what's happening here at now, right here at Prey Public? Well, we're moving some truffles, we hope, because it is our short and sweet membership drive. It goes until Saturday, and we say on our Come On postcard, do it for someone you love, do it for the love of public radio. And do it right now by calling 1-800-359-4145, because you get something special. You get wonderful truffles. You get wonderful public radio. The truffles come in a silver box with a purple ribbon. They're hand-rolled at Nicole's Fine Pastry. And if you pledge at $10 a month or more, $120 a year, you get a box sent to wherever you say in the uh, continental United States in time for Valentine's Day with a handwritten note inside. The public radio you get comes wrapped up in what other delivery form you have. It may be an old beat-up <laughs> clock radio, maybe a car radio. It may be uh, a mobile phone. It, it, it may be a set of earbuds that it comes through. And it brings you information about the world, things to know, wonderful music, 
car talk and wait, wait, don't tell me and all the different things that come on public radio. And you get both of those with a pledge to Prairie Public today when you call 800-359-4145. That's 800-359-4145 or go online to prairiepublic.org. So we'll set you up for Valentine's Day. Hey, that's that's fine, but, you know, that'll be over by February 15th, well, we set you up for the whole year with public radio. It'll be here all the time for you to listen to, take advantage of, learn from, and enjoy. 800-359-4145 or prairiepublic.org. $120 pledged to Prairie Public gets you 15 cocoa-rolled soft chocolate truffles from the Coles Fine Pastry. They are splendiferous. And uh, that's 120 bucks to Prairie Public. Another 60 bucks on top of that, you get another box. So if, say, you, uh, you know, you've got five kids, well, it's 120 and then four times 60. <laughs> 360, I guess. At any rate. Uh, that's... Yeah, no, I took a 360 pledge yesterday. Oh, right. Uh, and, you know, we have people pledge $1,000 to Prairie Public and we can get a lot of truffles out there. You know, if we get enough cocoa truffles out there, we're going to alter the blood chemistry of North Dakota. Yes, we will. And we'll have all of these antioxidants. Everybody's going to be grinning and smiling and uh, thanking each other for having such a wonderful Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day. That's another holiday. 1-800-359-4145 or prairiepublic.org if you want to go online. And, you know, we love our sustainers. And you can be a sustaining member of Prairie Public if you give a monthly pledge. And in this case, for example, $10 a month would get you that box of truffles and would help us because that would accumulate to $120 a year. And those people who are sustaining members really are a nice core yeah, to you have. You just set up with an automatic renewal, and a lot of people like that convenience of not having to worry about getting that letter in the mail saying, it's time to renew your membership. Uh, hey, you know, coming up next is Dakota Datebook, and I wanted to mention something, because every time we air Dakota Datebook, we acknowledge uh, our partnership with the State Historical Society and the funding from the Humanities Council, and we are so appreciative of the North Dakota Humanities Council for supporting it. But, you know, it wouldn't be here without listener support because yeah. they don't pay all the cost. Part of the cost of that, just like everything on Prairie Public, is paid by contributions by our listeners. Without your support, we wouldn't be doing any of this, and we wouldn't be able to have Dakota Daybook without your support. 800-359-4145, prairiepublic.org. Dakota Daybook is next. This is Dakota Daybook for January 31st. George Armstrong Custer is most famous today for his personal Waterloo, the Battle of Little Bighorn. But his fame began long before his days in the Dakota Territory and the Wild West. He graduated from West Point, albeit last in his class, and took part in the Civil War, where he gained quite a reputation. On this date in 1877, several months after Custer's death and one year after the government ordered all Indians to move onto reservations, the Bismarck Weekly Tribune related this tale of Custer from the New York Sun. It was about a man with a terrible scar on his face, running from the left side of his forehead to the right corner of his mouth. Where did he get this terrible scar? The man explained that he fought in Virginia for the Confederates during the Civil War and that Custer himself, that long-haired daredevil Yankee general, inflicted the wound, stating, "'Dern my buttons, but wasn't it a hot fight. We were all mixed up, bullets flying, sabers hacking, men yelling, horses neighing, everybody shouting, and it was a devil's dance all around.'" 
I had seen Custer before, and I knew what a fighter he was. I pushed right up to him. I rose up in my stirrups and struck at him with force enough to cut clean down to the saddle, but he parried the blow, leaned over. I saw a flash, and the next thing I knew, I had been in the hospital for two weeks, and the surgeons were trying to look into my boots through this saber cut across my face. I didn't bear no grudge against Custer for the slash, but he might just as well have put his cheese knife through me as to given me this X, his mark, to lug around. And that's what ails this old Reb, and that's how I feel. Coincidentally, long before he first went to school to become a soldier, Custer worked in a very different line. He was a teacher. Today's Dakota Date Book was written by Sarah Walker. I'm Errol Pepcorn. Dakota Datebook is produced in cooperation with the State Historical Society of North Dakota, with funding from the North Dakota Humanities Council. Just a little bit of time left to tell you about our short and sweet membership drive. If you haven't already heard about it in the last hour, uh, Bill Thomas, the Director of Radio for Prairie Public's with me. Yes, it's time to support public radio. It's pre-Valentine's Day. Uh, it's time to set yourself up for good public radio and a good Valentine's Day. Make a pledge of $120 or more to Prairie Public. That's $10 a month by calling 800 800- Three five nine four one four five, and just during our short and sweet membership drive, we don't do this other time, so it's just now that you can do it. We will send out a box of cocoa truffles, fifteen of them in a really pretty box from Nicole's Fine Pastry, handmade there, and that will go to wherever you say in the continental United States in time for Valentine's Day. So pledge that amount, ten dollars a month or more. You can pledge any amount you want, but the truffles, ten dollars a month or more, eight hundred three five nine. Four one four five. Bo Lundmark and Minot, thank you very much for your pledge. He's a new sustainer, ten dollars a month, and uh, he's getting his uh, free box of truffles. Well, actually, the box of truffles he invested in Prairie Public, and he gets that on top of it. And uh, I know we're sending off to somebody at the same address, so that's always nice to see. There's going to be a nice Valentine's at the Lundmark household in Minot, and he says he listens every day on the way to and from work. On the weekends, the whole family enjoys car talk and Prairie Home Companion. Well, we enjoy your support. Hey, thanks, Bo. Mark. Really appreciate that. Little time left, 1-800-359-4145. And tomorrow, it's Friday, and uh, it's a brand new month, so we just get in our monthly editor's roundtable discussion of the recent headlines. Dave Thompson will join us. We'll have uh, Jack Zaleski from the Forum, and uh, also uh, uh, Tom Gerhardt, News Director at Cakes and Be in Bismarck.